So Alex, do you know what my husband said when I told him what we were naming the podcast? Oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to know. He said, but Rifki, neither you or Alex are actually like normal from women. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Alex Fletcher. And I'm Rifki Silver. And this is Normal From Woman. The podcast where we embrace the complexities, nuances, and joys of from womanhood. Normal from Woman is supported by LEB Photography, Cleveland's best in family and newborn photography. Ellie makes a process of taking family photos fun and carefree with beautiful results to last a lifetime. Visit her website at www.lebphoto.com. That's E L L I E B P H O T O dot com. We are so excited to be launching our very first episode of our very first podcast. We've done a lot of things together, Alex, but we've never done a podcast. Yes, that is true. So I've been listening to podcasts for years and years, and I love them. The podcasts that I gravitate towards are informative, yet conversational, inspirational, and validating. I appreciate podcasts that are rich in content and that give me tools that I can apply to improve my life. There are a lot of fantastic podcasts out there by From Women, but I had a dream to add a podcast that was like listening into a conversation, but also peppered with experts and special guests, kind of like a everything bagel kind of podcast. We want to bring you into our conversations about the things we think about and matter to us as normal from women, and we're hoping you find that these are things that you think about and matter to you too. Rifki, when you approached me about this a few months back, starting a podcast was always on my bucket list, and I felt it made a lot of sense as an outgrowth of being a writer in the firm world, but it just felt so huge and unapproachable. Like, I'm a normal firm woman, and I don't start podcasts. But I've really, really enjoyed the process of working with you. And this whole experience has really shown me that to achieve anything, it's just a matter of taking it step by step. Yeah. Before we knew it, we had recorded our first episode. And I think we each bring our strengths to this project. We collaborate on the brainstorming, which is super fun. And you take care of the outlining of the podcast. I take care of the editing and composing the music. It's really something we both enjoy doing. Yes, and we are so happy to bring this project to you, our listeners. So let's dive right in. What we hope you'll get out of today's episode is a fresh take on the word normal. We'll be discussing what the word normal even means and how to decide what normal means to you. We'll also be talking about how to decide when to embrace your normal and how to look at other people's version of normal without judgment and how to even learn from others. And of course, that important balance of conformity and individuality that we all deal with living in the Orthodox world. And what could be a better way to start a podcast for Normal for Women than to ask a handful of Normal for Women themselves what the word normal means to them? Normal means to me like what everybody is doing, but I don't know if that's really so normal. When I hear the word normal, I think of typical or usual. I often find the way the word normal is used to be somewhat paradoxical because it assumes a set of shared or mutually understood values, maybe a spectrum between extremes, and describes falling into the most common general area within that system. 
But because everyone sees the world from their own lens, what each person envisions as normal will be different, which almost makes the word itself meaningless other than it is usually used to describe the way someone views themselves. Or, if someone specifically would not call themselves normal, then the word simply informs the way they see the people around them and how they compare. I actually don't use the word normal at all because it's a very relative and to a large extent imaginary construct in my opinion and I believe its primary purpose for most people is making unhealthy comparisons. Normal means being true to yourself and for yourself. Normal is acting in a way that society views as regular. Normal is someone who is well-balanced and takes into account living in this world and all the different constraints that this world may, may or may not impose um, while being a very proud from Jew. What comes to mind when I think of the word normal is accepting our whole imperfect selves and giving up the need for perfection and living a balanced life of really getting to know yourself and understanding those around you and being happy with the present moment. Um, I think normal means like having your life somewhat together, not that you never fall apart, not that you never like can't handle what's going on and you never get stressed out and blah, blah, blah. You're doing your basics for your family. You're providing your kids with food, shelter, emotional support. Like you're doing the things you need to do you have a plan, that's normal. Normal is being mostly mainstream, but also yourself. Like, I live in the from community and I grew up in the same community that I live in and I'm very like mainstream in that respect, but also I'm not because like I wear bright clothes, I say what I want. So I think that's kind of my version of normal is just like, I guess that. Okay, Rifki, like based on what these ladies are saying, do you feel normal? Like, how do you react to these responses? <laughs> They're so varied, but I think that we as from women do think about this a lot because we live in a community and being part of a community is always um, evaluating your own definition of normal to what you see around you. And that doesn't have to just be in the from community. That can be in any close-knit community. Yeah, I agree, I agree that we are always having it in mind and having to kind of take our pulse, so to speak, with our obviously complicated and varied relationship to the world, to the world, to the word normal. I think, though, it, there is something very freeing in the fact that clearly everyone has their own relationship to this word. So if we all have our own unique relationship to it, then there's clearly not one right answer. That is absolutely true. And I love like the woman who, who took ownership of that. You know, one woman said how like normal means mainstream, but she also embraces who she is with her bright clothes and being opinionated. So there's that delicate dance always of meeting societal expectations. It's a hu very human need to want to feel like you fit in in our community and and in general, that's what we as humans want. But also we as humans, I think, want to retain our unique identities as well. So obviously we all have our own relationship to normal, but is there at least like some sort of standard definition that we can work off of? Yeah, I mean, one person said it very clearly is just 
probably even from like a psychological angle or even a medical angle, there's that spectrum of normal on the bell curve, you know, where it's, it's in between this pole of extremes and normal is somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I'm no psychologist. I'm no medical professional. I am a normal from woman. <laughs> you can be a normal from woman. I just wanted to clarify because you know how these podcasts work. People are going to run away with what you're saying and misunderstand you. You can absolutely be a normal from woman and be a doctor and be a psychologist, but that's just not me. So I did what most other laymen would do. And I just went onto Wikipedia and I typed in normal. And this is what Wikipedia said. Here's my non-academic um, research here for our podcast. <laughs> Normality is a behavior that can be normal for an individual when it is consistent with the most common behavior for that person. That I find is so insightful. It's don't look at everyone else. Shut everyone else, society, everything, what your neighbors are doing, what other people look like. The first aspects of normality is just recognizing our own behavior. And if our behavior is consistent with what's normal for me, then that is my definition of normal. Okay. Now I do think that that definition, that normal may not necessarily be healthy. Like you may have consistent unhealthy behavior and that's your normal. But I think the first aspect of normal is just acknowledging that it's it's, it's individual and it's based on consistent behavior. We'll talk about it, but I do just want to throw in the second aspect is that normal is also used to describe individual behavior that conforms to the most common behavior in society. So yeah, some people like to hear that and some people don't like to hear that. But in our society, whether it's American society at large or from community at large or from community in our city, yes, there is an element of individual behavior that's normal because it conforms to common behavior amongst those around us in our society. And that is known as conformity. So let's unpack this. Um, Rifki, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the first definition that normality is a behavior that can be normal for an individual when it's consistent with that person's most common behavior. Yes, I love this. I love exactly what you said about shutting everything out and just taking the time to tune into yourself and say to yourself, what is normal for me? You know, we, it, it is so easy to fall into the trap of looking at our neighbors and looking at our relatives and looking at literally anything online and say, that's their normal. Oh, why is, why am I not like that? And then, you know, the, the endless rabbit hole of all the insecurities that these things can bring up. But when we really do shut everything else out and just say, what is normal for me? I feel like that's one of the best gifts we can give ourselves. Rifki, like when you're saying that, that requires a lot of self-knowledge and self-understanding to even know yourself and know what's normal for yourself. I think that's a first step that a lot of women struggle with, even if they're adults, is that self-knowledge of then being able to embrace what's normal for them. Well, for sure, because first of all, we're all so busy. Who has the time to even sit down and pay attention to like what's going on in their life? Sometimes I have a hard time remembering what I did earlier in the same day. So how am I supposed to pay attention <laughs> to my patterns? Can we talk about like the normal things that are not normal though, in terms like, of our daily habits and rituals? Right. It's very easy. Now, I'm a big fan of Gretchen Rubin, who had a book um, about habits that I, the name is escaping me, but I'll put it in the notes for the podcast. But it's just sure. about like, it's so easy to fall into habits and it just takes a little bit, it does take effort. And I know that we're all overextended and sometimes it's hard to put in the effort, but it's so worth it. Some of these things to just take a moment and pay attention to what are your habits? Like, are 
You, are you the type that you're thinking about dinner at five o'clock? Are you the type that you're thinking about dinner at nine in the morning? You know, there are so many different ways to approach it. And it's not that there's a right or the wrong in this case. This, this is without value judgments. It's about that saying, oh, I'm so dysfunctional. I'm so disorganized. I could never do X, Y, and Z. So instead of feeling guilty or bad or whatever, it's just a matter of saying, huh, I noticed that I am really excellent at procrastinating. And that results in this certain part of my life always feeling rushed. And just observe it and let it be there without judgment and just say, that's something that maybe that's normal for me. And just kind of watch it maybe over the course of a few weeks or a month, just have a piece of paper and like write it down, tape it on the inside of your cabinet or something so you don't use lose it, but just to kind of pay attention. Again, without judgment, I feel like it's such an important part because as women, we are so excellent at being hard on ourselves and this should not be like that. We're just getting to know ourselves a little bit. And yeah. I feel like it really, there's two things. There's first noticing yourself and noticing what is normal for you and realizing that it's so subjective depending on so many factors that we can't control, depending on like what stage of life you're at. Like when you're single, your normal day is going to be very different than if you are married with a baby or if you're married with teenagers. Like the same person, one person, like just me, just you, just whoever's listening, your own normal is going to change wildly over the course of your life. So it's not like what was normal for you when you were a teenager is necessarily going to be normal for you when you're 40. And so it just always requires a little bit of just paying attention and saying, hey, you know, I tend to always do this. And that's just kind of how it is. And then you could notice that, like, for example, I wrote an article once about how I used to be always late, always disorganized to things. And I that was my normal, but it doesn't mean that I had to stay my normal and I didn't like it. So I changed that habit. I changed that normal. We can always change and grow and evolve in ways like we don't have to be stuck in our normal, but we do have to at least know what our normal is before we can even decide if it's something that we want to change or something that we want to embrace. I love this idea. And just to take that moment to stop and observe without judgment, I think is so crucial. Um, it just, it reminds me of something that happened, you know, I, I guess it might help, help our listeners just to sort of know where we're all holding in our life. Like I'm, I think I can't even remember cause I think I've lost track, but I think I'm hitting our 19th anniversary <laughs> this summer. Um, I've got five kids. My oldest is in 12th grade and my youngest is a year and a half. So things are lively, but I am listening to what you're saying about like the life stages. And I, I so have been there. Um, and yes, I think when you hit this sort of like you know, middle age. I don't even know if that's accurate, but um, (laughs) like, it's just things sort of, you embrace your normal in such a way that you may not have embraced it before. I I probably about, I remember about 10 years ago, I was picking up my son from a play group in someone's basement and it was Arab Shabbos. um, One o'clock was pickup. And I remember walking into her house and smelling her Shabbos chicken on a Friday cooking. And I had just come from work and I remember thinking, and I still remember this. I feel like I remember the smell of her chicken thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't put up my chicken. It's one o'clock on a Friday. I didn't, I haven't done that. Maybe I meant to put up my chicken at one o'clock. And this like whiff of insecurity that came with this memory that I sometimes will even think about this ridiculous story on a Friday, but like what you were saying before, like observe your normal. And is my normal unhealthy? Does my normal even need changing? And then I was like, I think I'll only took years later thinking like, okay, it's fine if I put up my chicken at three o'clock or two o'clock. It's, 
(laughs) Who said it has to be cooking at one o'clock in the afternoon? Exactly. Constant comparing and wondering if what you're doing is normal. And you literally like rob yourself of any confidence and robs yourself of of serenity in your life. And now I, I couldn't care less. I do what works for me. And I, I would exactly. love to just quote here. Um, I'm a new, I'm a fan of Ellie Chevalis. She's a psychotherapist. She is, um, she's actually pretty, she's actually pretty active on social media. Um, and she has an article that I found, um, am I normal? And Rifki, you know, we like to share articles with each other. And now Always. that we decide, yeah, we're doing this podcast and like any, po- any article that we see as the word normal, we're like constantly sharing with each other. <laughs> um, but this one, she's, she, I'll quote this, this small little bit. She said, many clients worry about whether or not their like circumstances are normal. And her response is, quote, don't worry about, nor- excuse me, don't worry about being normal. Normal is boring. Aim for healthy. So if you're normal, it doesn't look like somebody else is normal, but it's working for you and it's healthy embrace it. And that's the point here about, you know, having some ownership and confidence about what is normal for each of us. Exactly. And I feel like it is that sweet spot. When you said that whiff of um, insecurity, I could so relate to Mm -hmm. that. I have, I have been in that exact position too. And I think that um, I find like when we can find that balance between looking at other people and perhaps getting inspired from them or saying like, oh, maybe that's an area in my life that I could work on. Or maybe that's something that I would like to try and see if that works for me or not. And we can, when we are able to hold our own normalcy, or I, I love how it's healthy instead of normal. I love that so much because mm-hmm, I feel like mm-hmm. normal is so lorded. Healthy, of course we all want to be healthy. But if we can be comfortable with who we are and our healthy selves and to feel like what we do is working for us, it gives us the ability to look at other people without feeling overly insecure. But to say, is there, some, is there something I can learn from this? Is there something I can learn from someone else? Because we know, like it says in Abos, right? who is wise? Someone who learns from everyone. There really is something to learn from everyone. But when we're so busy feeling insecure and bad about ourselves, we don't have the headspace to be able to learn anything. We just feel bad about ourselves. And maybe we feel angry at that person for having it together in a way that we don't have. (laughs) Hypothetically speaking. Yeah. I mean, this this definitely requires a certain level of maturity (laughs) that even as we get older, we do not possess. And it's real... No, it's so true. Like, we don't have to look at everything through our own lens. Like, in a way, like, it's sort of narcissistic. Like, let the lady look gorgeous. So, like, do you have to compare yourself all the time? Do you have to feel insecure? Like, well, what's the big deal? Like, just stop already. Let's appreciate other people. And, like, let's have some, like, I'm over here. Exactly. You know, it's just free love and free respect and free admiration. <laughs> Alex Fletcher for free love. The, um... <laughs> quote me on that. <laughs> But I think, I think that what you said is very true about how it does require a certain level of maturity. And it's, you know, there's the joke. Uh, I, uh, I'm not going to say it right now, but like, you know, when you're 20, you think everyone's thinking about you. When you're 30, right. you blur. when you're 40, you realize no one's thinking about you. That it's, is so true. It's oh my just, gosh. That's exactly it, what I was saying before. Right. And I think that it's, it's just true that like, we have to go through these awkward experiences of insecurity and everything before we do find our own feet and are able to be comfortable in our own shoes. Can we talk a little bit about how normal is different in different physical locations and different communities? Should we start unpacking that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that sort of, sort of is the next piece, um, according to our Wikipedia definition before it's, you know, normal is describing individual behavior that conforms to the most common behavior in society. So we know as from women, you know, we each live in different cities 
um, even within the same city, I mean, Rifki, you live in Cleveland Heights. I live in University Heights. It's literally like a seven-minute drive. But there right. are differences in our communities. Um, and, and, and in any firm community, you're going to have those nuances. So um, let's talk about that challenge of conformity, why um, it is necessary to a certain extent, why some people feel very comfortable with conformity and other people's personality, they just really resist conformity. Um, they are from Jews, which absolutely being from requires a lot of conformity. Hey, we can't just eat whatever we want. We don't just do whatever we want. Um, we are following a set guidelines. But right. with our unique personalities, upbringing, all of the factors that we bring to, this, to, the, to our stories and our, our journey as from Jews, we all, I think, have different relationships with conformity. You hit the nail on the head when like some people really have zero problem with conformity and other people, it really feels very emotionally difficult for them. They feel like stifled, you know? Right. And that's a and real, it's a real like, challenge. Sort of like I'm conforming enough as a firm Jew, you know what I mean? I'm not wearing the jeans and I'm not, you know, being the, um, astronaut that I always wanted to be like seriously with professions there's there is conformity and and we may we embrace that to a certain extent because we may realize you know this would be too challenging as a from person or this would go against from values or even halacha and certain professions but we're constantly conforming right um how do we find that balance and I I, I'm going back to Elisheva list the litmus test she gives she gives some questions to provide a litmus test here and she says if you have concerns about your normalcy, you could ask yourself the following quote, is the way in which I deviate from the norm a problem? Does it or could it cause any distress or harm to myself or to others? If it continues, would that be a problem? And are there any advantages to my differences? So I'm just going to give that example again. We're women. So we, we, we talked about clothes. And let's talk about clothes again. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's say you, I'm not talking about, you know, sinus or anything like that, but you know, let's say you have a stylose that's very different from the norm. And, um, and let's say that does concern you. So it's those questions. Is the fact that I'm deviating from the norm in fashion a problem? You have to be able to answer that. And if you can't answer that, find a good friend or a rabbit or a mentor that can help you. Um, if you own it and it's not a problem to you, that might does it cause any distress or harm to yourself or to others. Now, if people are like judging, judging you and rolling your eyes, that's not causing distress to others. You know, like who cares what they think? Um, <laughs> if you are so outlandish that your that your children are uncomfortable or your children feel like they're embarrassed by you, maybe that is causing distress to others. You know, maybe that is a problem. Um, so I think we have to evaluate. You know how far and to what extent we are deviating from certain norms because no one is ever going to fit into the box perfectly. 100%. Like we all have our own unique, um, we all have our own unique expressions of individuality within the context of conformity. But I think that what you said exactly about when it becomes a liability. And my, my father would always say, well, better, (laughs) better do it. Better do a T chart, do a cost benefit analysis and say, you know, is yeah. this like what what is the what is the reason for this particular thing that is my you know unique out of the boxness? Like what is the motivation for me to do this? Am I do I feel like this is expressing some fundamental aspect of my personality that needs to be expressed? Because that's one thing. But if it's something that just um I mean sometimes you know we have kind of a stubborn we're stubborn people sometimes we have a desire to just do things our way because like 
we just want to. <laughs> right. Right. But the thing is, it's like, is what's it worth? You know, what's the right. cost? So sometimes there's no cost. So fine, whatever. But if there's a cost, then I think exactly talking to a mentor about how to work through it because no one should have to not be who they are. Well, you mentioned a very important point, which is like ex- expression of self and expression of true personality and individuality. So, I mean, this, I, I'm sorry, I keep mentioning clothes. I just can't help it because like, I think about, you know, a Yeshiva Bacher wearing the black pants and the white shirt, but what, where's their expression of personality? And, and really there's this sort of this idea is that it's essential to be able to express personality. If for you, um, you, you, you know, let's say give the yeshiva bacher, you know, it would be not socially acceptable in their yeshiva to like walk around expressing themselves in, you know, ripped jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> they still need to express themselves because that is their unique nature and, and that is healthy. So how do we express, express ourselves if the mode is in one way not socially acceptable. It doesn't mean that we can't ever express ourselves. It just means, depending on the constraints of our society that we're living in, in our culture, find another way to express yourself. You know, Rifki, you're my, you know, I think you're a great example. I I don't know. I mean, to me, when I look at you, you know, you're, you're put together, you're cute, but you're super creative. I, I see how you express your creativity, not in your clothes, but in your music and your writing. That doesn't mean that you're not creative because if someone looks at you, you're like, oh, what, she's, so, she's a creative? She doesn't look like a, uh, a musician that plays four different instruments. But, <laughs> but for you, for whatever reasons, that may not be the way you express your creativity and how you dress. It just, it, it, and, and you found your outlet. So we have to find an outlet. Exactly. And I, and you know, it really is actually very intentional that I deliberately don't put any energy into expressing my creativity in my externals. I just, I wear whatever is currently going on. You know, I don't put a lot of thought into it because I do want to channel my creativity in other ways. And I feel like there's a limit to how out of the box I can be. So I made it, I actually made a conscious decision to choose where I want to be in the box. It gives me more freedom to be out of the box in other ways. But I think that it is important that people have the guidance, they have friends or they have a Rebbitzin or they have a rabbi that they can talk about this through because it is very important. People shouldn't be stifled. And when you look at, when you look at Jewish history, Jewish history is full of people who made history by being out of the box. I mean, look at Sarah Schneer. Did, was she in the box when she created literally the entire Beis Yaakov movement? No, that was not in the box. Oh, you know, it's true, Rifki, but there are many of our communities where being in the box is more valued than, and, than in other communities. Um, that it is a value. It is a value to walk out of your house and look a certain way, push a certain stroller, um, go into certain professions, present a certain way, believe a certain way. I mean, this is sort of shifting into, you know, normal, normal being used in reference to religious level and hashkafa. Like we think mm. we're the normal ones, you know, everyone to the right <laughs> is extreme and everyone to the left is extreme, but we're just right. Right. Um, and I think it's a unique challenge as for, from people, how we really understand what this word means. It is a tough one, which is why I, I well, well, with like Sarah Schneer, you know, she went and she got Aitza, she got advice, you know, and she got brachos. True. So it's not like, I think that it is having so in this, and of course, like finding a rub and having a mentor, it's easier said than done. It's not so simple to make a connection with someone that you can trust, that you can really share these things through. And it's not always easy to make friends, but I think that, having the people that you can bounce ideas off of. And if you are in distress and if you're feeling like, I really feel like pressure to conform, how can I, how can I um, 
still be myself within the context of the community in a way that's healthy, in a way that works for me, in a way that doesn't stifle me, but actually enables me to, to be able to be out of the box if I need to be in order to bring my own unique co-host to Claudia's Bell. Because if we're too worried about just being like everyone else, then you know, maybe you need to start a chesed organization. Maybe you need to provide a unique service to a, a school or as a business, or maybe your brain works in a certain way that you can bring something to the community or the world that is necessary for you to be out of the box in a way. And, and that's why I, mm-hmm. it's, it's so necessary to get advice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think also um, we should not negate the power of what we actually are doing behind closed doors. I know we normally talk about like behind closed doors as a bad thing, but I think in this case, it can be a very good thing. Meaning that the need to fit in um, is a pressure that may be stronger in some communities than others. But at the end of the day, how are you raising your family? How is your marriage? What values um, are you bringing to the table? What things that are important to you that may not be like a societal thing that's societally important in your particular community, but you feel like it's really important to raise your kids to be doing certain things or having certain experiences, do that within your own family. I mean, I think about like a teacher that I have, um, that I had in Israel and, you know, she was raising her children in the Haredi system. She felt it was very important that they had a secular studies um, education. So she went through the system. She put her kids in the haters and she hired tutors to teach them at home. And, you know, whether or not her children were open to it, you know, all these other things are questions, but just the general idea of, you know, if you need to, you know, do, do for, for, because of a values choice that you've made that you want to be in a certain community, we, you accept the pros, you accept the cons, you, you accept the beauties, you accept the dysfunctions as with any community. (laughs) And then in your home, you do what you feel you need to do and raising your own children and, and, keeping yourself healthy. Um, that may deviate from the norm, but that's how you are expressing that and raising your children with those particular values. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about this? I think that's beautiful. I think that I, I have nothing to add, Alex. It's just perfect. Okay. Okay. I do want to talk about, I, th- I think, the shock motos and pressure to feel normal and what magazines are telling us. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So I think um, as from women, you know, we do what we think is normal because that's what we see or because we have certain standards for ourselves in terms of our own behavior that dictates in a general average day, you know, what our decisions are and what we think is normal and standard. But just like in um, the outside world where you can go to the supermarket and pick up better homes and gardens and then flip through and be like, oh, so is this normal that my play playroom is meant to look like this? Mm-hmm. Or uh, is this normal that I'm meant to look like this? You know, we have our own culture of magazines in our communities. Um, full disclosure, I do have a op-ed column in Mishbecha magazine. So this is a magazine that I write for, that I read every single week, front to back. And there's a lot of discussion about, you know, making, um, having definitions of normal, but also as, as a firm community being handed a glossy magazine and looking through the pictures of the Upsharans and the Shabbos meals and, and does that affect our own internal definition of normal? Or do we say, this is beautiful. This is a great way to express our creativity for those who feel this is how they want to do that and turn the page. What is the role of these magazines and these presentations of how to live a from life and how we define normal? 
So I think that this really is going back to what we're talking about, about being comfortable with your own healthy and with your own normal, because when we do accept our own unique um, abilities and our own skill set and our own normal, then I think it's easier to say, oh, that's a beautiful way to do an upsharing. It's not for me and flip the page or to say, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful way to do an upsharing. I think I'd like to try some of that. Or, oh, yeah. I, or like, you know, oh, I already did that for my upsharing five years ago because I was a trendsetter. <laughs> no, that's cute. That's cute. And I've seen the editors speak about this um, or read about this rather, where it's like, we're here to provide, you know, creative inspiration. Like if you look at some of these tablescapes, they're just like out out of control, you know, like out of reach. The average person's not doing this. Some of it's like very impractical having like grass all over your table or whatever it is. Yeah. It's more like creative inspiration. Like someone could look at it and be like, oh, well, that's a cute idea to use those chargers, not recreate this whole Martha Stewart thing. Right. Exactly. And I feel like when we can really accept ourselves, then we can get to the place where we can enjoy someone's elaborate thing without feeling bad about our own thing. And also like, I am the person who has themes for Shalachmanos. My kids have matching clothing and I do do tablescapes for the meals. I, I know, I busted. I, I re- I'm so not though. I know, so but I really, really enjoy it. We've only been doing it for a few years because my kids are into it. And if my right. kids are not into it, then we won't do it. You know, like I'm not going to force them. Right now, this is my normal. In three years, it may not be my, my normal. And that's yes, okay. That's I, so true. I will enjoy it now and I'll have happy memories in the future. But at the same time, you know, I completely empathize with people who maybe would like to do it, who wish that they could do it, but it's out of, it's out of reach either financially or it's out of reach. Just like they don't have the time. It does take time. I happen to be a stay at home mother. I acknowledge it's a luxury that I have as much time as I do. So I think that, it is really a fine balance between providing entertainment and inspiration while also acknowledging the fact that so many women are stretched to the point of ridiculousness and they don't have time. So how do we provide inspiration and yet still be sensitive to the very real challenges that are existence and the very real challenges that are normal in our society? It's normal yeah, that, to be overwhelmed. Yeah, that's the million dollar question. And the question is, even if it's a value, meaning like even if I had the time, do I value um, reaching a certain standard in bar mitzvahs or in simchas that according to the magazines they're showing me is a standard. Right. I mean, I, I, listen, you could, you could argue as who said it's a standard. We're just, this is a creative outlet. This is a magazine. Of course, we're going to show you, you know, all the bells and whistles. I, I think that we as consumers and as readers, I think we give the magazines maybe a little bit too much weight. <laughs> I, don't want people to re- I, like, I feel bad saying this because I want people to read my column and be like, that was life-changing. <laughs> you know, like I do, but like I sort of get also like, we sometimes just need to flip the page. They are not necessarily the be-all and end-all determiner. Is that a word? <laughs> I'm a writer. Is that a word? Um, yeah, whatever it is. Determine, you know, determiner. Yeah, I like that word. I think um, it's a word. Um, I, I think it's okay. a word. <laughs> we'll take it. Of standards, practices, ideals, and Judaism. Now, I must say also, though, that I do think, especially for young and impressionable types, that people, people do either, they could be intimidated, number one, by a lot of stuff that they see. But number two, I do think that it can create 
um, higher standards. And, you know, you just look at the history of cookbooks and the from community. I mean, I, I remember, you know, 1996, was it 95? Um, you know, I grew up in Atlanta and we went to take a school trip to Borough Park. And I was like, oh my gosh, like all the kosher candy. I mean, it was just like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And I bought my mother a kosher cookbook and it's literally a paperback um, with zero pictures. And we were like, so excited, you know, and it was kosher. It was a couple that was kosher. You know, I think it was like the first one we ever had. The point is though, we all know that the standards have, oh my gosh, increased. Beyond, yeah. Beyond. And there are blessings in that, major blessings. But I think, I think we do, I think our community has what to say in terms of raising the bar for what is normal. Right. Exactly. And I think that it really is, it puts, you know, as a parent, you're in a very awkward position of, you know, maybe you as a family, your own standard of what you would do for a bar mitzvah is different than your community standard, but you obviously don't want to have your kid feel that their yeah. is any less. I don't know. I, I It's easy for me to say, because I'm not at this stage yet. No, I mean, I, I think your head is screwed on tight. Um, we have made a bar mitzvah. We did do things differently. Um, because at the end of the day, it's what is healthy. Okay. Yeah. So is this healthy for, you know, the question could be, is this healthy for my bank account? Is this healthy because I have certain standards for myself that I would feel, you know, uncomfortable in doing something, you know, I don't know, too over the top or too minimal. It's yeah. finding that sweet balance. So in every episode, we want to give you, the listeners, something that you can take with you into your busy, busy lives. We really try, as religious Jews, to grow and improve when and where we can. So here's a takeaway for this episode. Let's ask ourselves, the next time we're making a choice, to take a moment to notice without judgment, what are our motivations? Is our decision a knee-jerk reaction to conform or to specifically not conform? Or is it something in between? And then ask yourself, is the way that I'm making this decision helping me to move closer to Hashem? Is it helping me be more in tune with myself? I think also something to include in the takeaway is to move away from normal as a value judgment, but to think of it as being healthy. At the end of every episode, we want to introduce you to a normal from woman. We're going to be asking the same set of five questions to women from all over. This episode's Normal from Woman is Rena Deutsch of Toronto. And here are the five questions. Can you fall asleep with the dishes in your sink? Oh my gosh. If I couldn't sleep when there were dishes in my sink, I would literally never sleep. And so that is a hard yes for me. I can definitely sleep when there are dishes in my sink. I thank God for that. What's your favorite Yantav and why? My favorite holiday, my favorite Yom Tov, well, this is difficult for me because I really do love them all in their own unique way, kind of like my kids. Uh, and also, I'm a very indecisive human being. But if I had to choose, which clearly I do, I would say Sukkot and Pesach. For me, Sukkot is just, it's just magical. I don't know if it's nostalgia from when I was a kid or I'm mom 
am feeling Hashem's hug or what, but I love sitting in the sukkah. Even though in Toronto, the weather can be very dicey at that time of year. Okay, so you put on another parka and 15 pairs of socks and some gloves and you make it work. It's fine, but I love being out in the sukkah and it's always so sad for me when we have to put it away. And Pesach, I love everything about Pesach. Um, okay, like maybe not the cleaning so much. You could reference my first question about the dishes in the sink where, you know, clearly cleaning is not my forte, but once all the cleaning is done and Yantav starts, I love I love the Pesach dishes. I love the shtick we put on the table. I love the stories. I love the song. I love Pesach food. And I'm even talking about the non-Gebrak stuff that's made out of potato starch and oil and eggs and air. Like, I love that stuff. It's delicious. I know this is supposed to be normal from women and that's not so normal, but really, I I love it. And uh, Pesach gets a giant two thumbs up for me. And if we wanted to add to the weird a little bit, um, I actually love and enjoy Yom Kippur very much. So yeah. What do you do to recharge? To recharge, I, I eat chocolate. I'll be honest. Um, I connect with my family and my friends with people that I love. That's very important to me. Learning, um, listening, like I find some good podcasts or anytime really does it for me. I love Musser. So like Musser, Hashkafa, that kind of stuff. When I learn that kind of stuff, it, it, it fills me up and helps me feel more connected to Hashem. And that to me is always recharging. Music is very important to me. Uh, it has a lot of influence and impact on my my mood and my state of mind. And so when I get the right tunes going, that just is a game changer and definitely recharges my batteries for me and laughter. So uh, honestly, over the last nine, nine and a half months, the memes, oh, the memes have been everything for me. And uh, the laughter that they bring to my life really helps me feel much better about everything. What part of your personality do you love? A part of my personality that I love, okay, so it feels funny to say that I love something about my personality, but Baruch Hashem, I really do feel very blessed to have a generally positive outlook and to uh, have the ability to see the good in situations and in people. So it's not that I never experience challenge. Of course I do. And how it's not that I don't ever have people that annoy me or anything like that. Of course, I'm, I'm, well, yeah, I'm relatively normal aside from the non-Gabrox food stuff. But um, the point really is, is that I, Baruch Hashem, am able to approach most challenges in life with a positive attitude. And even if I'm not able to approach it with a positive attitude, more often than not, I can reflect on it, even in the middle, and see something positive coming out of it. And with people, just generally speaking, like, I just like people. I, I enjoy them. And I see the best in them. Sometimes it comes back to bite me, but I like, that's very rare. And Baruch Hashem, I, I, I do enjoy that about me and I hope I never lose it. What do you think the from world needs more of? I think that the from world along with the rest of the world could really use a little bit more balance right about now. I think we're very polarized on so many different issues and I, what bothers me about the polarization isn't that, okay, you know, you're over here doing your thing and you're over there doing your other thing. Fine. Zamit Gazint. That's fine. What bothers me is the idea that I do things the right way. Whoever, when I say I, I mean the royal I, if there is such a thing, I do things the right way. And if you do things more to the right, you are obviously crazy. And if you do things more to the left, you are obviously a heathen. And 
Okay, I understand that there are obviously certain things that are beyond the pale, but there are many, many things that are not. There is the concept of Shivan Panim Torah. There are, you know, 70 faces to the Torah. There are all sorts of things that fall within the concept of orthodoxy and halachic Judaism and all these sorts of things. And I just think that something that falls outside of that is judgment and uh, ridicule and Lashon Hara and being mean to people and exclusionary and that sort of thing. I just think... Again, balance is what it's all about. So we should each do what we feel is right and follow the Messorah that we feel is right. And again, like there's certain stuff that's just beyond the pale. I get that. But within that, I think the ability to have a more balanced outlook and be able to see people compassionately, respectfully, again, that would be really great for the rest of the world. But at very least, let's start in the from world. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode. We hope you liked it. We really enjoyed putting it together for you. We would really appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review our podcast. I know it's something that is spectacularly easy to procrastinate or avoid. I also avoid doing it at the end of podcasts when I hear this part of it. But it really makes a big difference to a brand new podcast like ours, and we would be very grateful. All the links and references we made in the podcast can be found in the episode notes. If you have any suggestions, feedback, or just want to say hi, you can email us at normalfromwoman at gmail.com. And we can both be found on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And please tell all your friends and family about our podcast. See you next episode.